Good morning, everybody. Uh, come on. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Actually, uh, it is in two Wednesdays that is the senior um, thing. So the 18th, it's in two Wednesdays. So don't, but don't skip next Wednesday either, but definitely don't skip in two Wednesdays. So I just want to make sure you understood that. Um, it's great to, to be here. Um, are you excited? It's almost, school is almost out. Yep. Y'all are, are just fresh and ready to go. There's no stress, no exhaustion going on. Everybody's good, right? Okay, that was a little weak. So we have a little bit to, to work on today. Hey, um, last night, Devanna, where are you, Devanna? Stand up. I wasn't able to come. Stand up. You stay standing. I wasn't able to come, but, um, uh, but I, it was on Facebook Live, and I was so blessed by your ministry last night, Devanna. That was incredible. And literally this morning, I mean, I could sense the presence of God in my apartment where I was sitting as I was watching you. And um, uh, this morning, the, the Holy Spirit just wanted me to let you know that the Father, you are so anointed to lead. And um, that the Father is so pleased with uh, your heart and with your work. And that um, uh, because you have not let hardship and the things that you have gone through stop you, um, he wants you to know that um, because you've pressed into his spirit, he sees that. And his plan for you is um, for your future is strong and bright, and it's very good. And so, but make sure, he says, um, to stay attentive to the Spirit, because there's a very specific plan for your life, and, um, and he wants you to hear that. So, but, but God bless you. You were awesome last night. That was just so precious. So today, um, I want to talk to you. The title of my message is Shake It Off. Okay, all right. So, how many of you like snakes? Yeah, have you ever encountered? How many of you have ever encountered a snake? Have you ever yeah, encountered a snake? When when I was about fifteen years old, I was walking at my church, and we had this large property, and a friend of mine. We were just walking along, um, and there was a building right next to us, and as we were walking. We looked down, and there was a snake that was just, um, actually, it looked like it was sunbathing. For all I know, it could have been dead. I don't know. It, was, it didn't even move. But there was a snake right along the side, just kind of resting against the side of the, of the, um, the building. And the minute that we looked down and we saw that snake, it produced in us this kind of like shake and, and freak out and scream. Anybody ever uh, ha had that happen to you where you just saw something and it just caught you so off guard that it, the, the heebie-jeebiness of it just overtook us and we took off and ran like probably a half a mile just to get away from that snake. Like I said, that snake could have been dead. At the least, it was sunning itself and not even interested in us and it was probably a garter snake. Um, but I thought about that later on, and I thought about what was it about that snake that freaked me out, that produced such a crazy, shaky, you know, you know that, that feeling that you have when something kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies. 
And I thought about what was it about that snake that did that? Because it obviously wasn't coiled and it wasn't looking like it was going to attack. But my instant reaction was to run, shake, shake, run and scream. And I thought, did I think it was a pending danger? Did I think it was, did I have a lack of understanding about that snake? Because again, it was a, a garter snake, which don't, doesn't really hurt you. Uh, was it just the idea of it potentially striking me? What was it about that snake that freaked me out so much? And as I thought about it, I thought what, what, what it was was that I had actually created in my mind what a snake is going to do to me if I come in contact with it. I had created a scenario about snakes in general, whether it's a garter snake or a viper, um, I'd created in my mind, I had set the screen for this movie in my mind that made me react the way I did. How many has ever seen that movie, this, the, the one about the snakes in the airplane? Did you, like where, you know, you're, they're in the air and the snakes start coming through the vents? Yeah, that, that movie, or, or Indiana Jones when he's in that place in the pit with all of the snakes? Yeah, that's not the kind of thing that you want to be looking at if you have an issue with snakes. But Paul, the apostle, in the book of Acts, in um, chapter 28, he encounters a snake. And um, the scenario, or the scene that I want to set is that Paul is on a long journey. First of all, he's imprisoned. So he's already been going through a lot. He's, he's been in prison. He's probably been beaten several times at this point in his life. He's in prison, and so what is happening is they're taking a load of prisoners um, to Rome to stand trial before Caesar. And so they get on this boat, and they are um, on their way, and they've already been going for several days. It was very long. They were fighting against wind, and it was, uh, it was tiring, and uh, they set down and um, in a port, and they're getting ready. They need to go. They need to move on, move forward. And so, but winter's coming, but they realize that they're at this place, and it's not a good place to winter. And so they go against um, sound judgment, and they, the, the leaders of the boat, they continue to move forward, and they hit a storm. They hit a nor'easter. It actually says it's a nor'easter. Um, in the Bible. And at that point, they're already exhausted. Paul's already gone through imprisonment, beating. He's, he's exhausted from his, uh, his trip already. And they hit this, this storm, and the storm goes for like 14 days. And this storm is so violent that they're having to throw things off. They're having to get rid of stuff. They're, the, the boat's starting to break apart. They're trying to fix it. They're not eating. It's just this constant barrage of, um, of trouble and stress and danger and um, keeping his guard up and uh, just fighting, fighting, fighting. Have you ever felt like you've been in that situation where you're just constantly fighting? You're pooped out. You're exhausted. And then the ship starts to fall apart, and they throw down the weights. And, um, but right before that happens, the angel comes to Paul. The Lord comes and speaks to Paul and says, don't be afraid. You have to appear before Caesar, so encourage the men to be strong and courageous. 
And so Paul gets this word and which holds him. This word that the, the Lord spoke to him, it, it holds him through some major challenges. And so after he got that, he told the man, he goes, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. We're going to lose the ship, but we are going to be saved. And so the, the, the ship starts breaking up. And literally, I could envision Paul on, you know, this plank floating towards the, the, the sea or, or towards the shore. And he's got this word in him. He finally gets to shore. And we know that the, the place is called Malta that he, um, that he arrives at. And um, there's people on the island. It's finally like a moment of reprieve. He's finally in this place. He's exhausted. They haven't eaten. Um, and the people of Malta show kindness to Paul. And they build a fire. And so he's exhausted, pooped out. He just needs a minute. So can, can, can I get an amen on that? Does anybody ever just need a minute? God, just give me a minute to just breathe. Well, they start to build him a fire. They, they build them a fire. There's a whole group of them. And, and they build them a fire. And when Paul goes to help and gather um, brush for the fire, the Bible says that a poisonous snake jumps out and latches onto his hand. Now, talk about getting kicked when you're down. I mean, the guy's already exhausted. He's been through so much. He's still a prisoner. And now he's just wanting a minute, just wanting to be reprieved for just a minute to get a little bit of rest. And this snake comes out and bites him on the hand. And Paul's response was this. It says, but Paul shook it off and no harm came to him. Now, this was a poisonous snake. This was a viper. This was a snake that would kill you. There, the, the venom was so strong that it would kill. In fact, the people were like, over the next few days, the people were waiting to see if he was going to die because they, they, they thought, surely he's going to die. But the Bible says that Paul shook it off and no, no harm came to him. Now, what's the difference between Paul's response and my response to that snake? A little bit of a difference, Right? But we can learn from Paul's response because Paul had an attitude. I can kind of just see Paul's, kind of like his, his eyes, kind of like the roll, roll of the eye emoji, you know, on, on the internet. You know, just kind of like, you got to be kidding me. I've just been through all that. I arrived here on a plank, enemy. You think that this little slithering thing is going to take me down now? Paul had this attitude um, about him that I want to learn from. How many know attitudes can be a problem, but sometimes they can work for, our, for us, right? And so let me just give you a little short clip video of, of the right attitude that, that it probably looked like when Paul had it. Anybody want to stand up and shake it off? (laughs) 
That's what I call attitude. Now we know that the enemy, or that the snake represents the enemy, right? So in order to, uh, for me to change how I feel about the snake, I have to change how I think about that slithering thing, don't I? About the enemy. I have to shake off what I have created in my mind as to the effect that that enemy can have on me. I love Paul's response. It's like a bullhorn uh, to the enemy because he had received a word. Amen? He had received a word from the Lord. And so there was nothing that was going to stop Paul. He continued to walk in his authority. He wasn't going to be shaken. He wasn't going to doubt. And he wasn't going to waver because after the word came, something else happened. You know, I think so much... So many times um, in our minds, we can encounter a situation as believers. We can pray through and we can get the victory in that situation. But that what happens if it happens again? What's our first response going to be? Is it going to be doubt? Are we going to doubt that maybe that didn't really happen? Or maybe why is that happening? Because um, I prayed through that before. But see, Paul's issue didn't change because of danger. It didn't change because of the onslaught. His position didn't change because he was imprisoned. He had this sustained faith. Paul had this steadfast belief. Because in your situation, don't you think that just because you uh, went through that and you got victory, don't you think the enemy's going to try again? Don't you think that he's going to try to get you from every angle? Until he's going to try to go this way, and then he's going to try and go this way, and then he's going to try and go from behind, and he's going to try every angle until he sees that in you there is no crack in your armor. He is going to try and try until he realizes that he cannot penetrate your belief system. Because I've told you this before, there's a difference between what is true and what is truth. The truth is that I have authority over the enemy. Amen? The truth is that there is nothing that can stop me against the enemy because I have the Spirit of God working inside of me. But how many know when tough things happen, that's the true part of it, because tough things are going to happen. It doesn't change the truth. Just because I go through stuff and then I go through stuff again and then I feel like there's an onslaught and then the enemy comes in and tries to bite at my hand because of, of, of whatever situation, it doesn't change the truth that I still walk in authority. And so the way I think is key to the transformation of my life. The way I see things and the way I view things ha can't um, 
can't be stuck in the old way. It has to be able to be transformed. Because until I change or transform the way I think and believe the truth and be so convinced of it, then nothing's going to change in how the enemy attacks me and how he can get victory over my life. Transformation in our mind is the key. Transformation is a complete or major change in someone's form. So it's the fact that I go from one way of thinking to another way. I go from thinking according to what is accessible to me here to, the, to thinking about what is accessible in the heavenlies. So my thoughts have to go from coming from the natural realm to this place in, in, in the throne room. My thoughts have to come from the throne room of God. Because God uh, lives a certain way. And how many know he doesn't waver according to what goes on in our lives? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And he functions according to his ways, not ours. And he set this standard. And as long as we will partner as believers with the standard that he set and walk in our authority and walk in the confidence of it, then we're going to be successful as believers, right? But how many know Satan is a liar? His language is lies. That's all he knows how to do is lie. And so he's going to try to steal your salvation. The Bible says he's there to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to kill your motivation, your passion, and your hopes for the future. He wants to destroy your belief system. And so he's going to shoot those darts at your mind. He's going to shoot those darts. They're, those darts are thoughts. And he's going to try to deceive you into believing that the thoughts that he feeds you are yours. That's how he tries to deceive you. And when you accept those thoughts as your own, you have now partnered with him. And then at that point, he's gained ground inside your mind which then affects your will and your emotions and ultimately your actions. And once you've partnered with the enemy's thoughts, he's going to take you down in that area. And he's going to deceive you into believing that what you are is what he says about you. That's how the enemy works. And the enemy is persistent. He's going to continue and continue and continue until he realizes that there's no crack in your armor. You're so convinced about what God says and who God says you are, that he cannot get to you in that place. So Paul shook off that deadly venomous snake that should have taken him out, and the Bible says no harm came to him, end of story. So what can we learn about Paul in this situation? Well, for one, it speaks to us that even the deadliest enemy is harmless when we are completely and totally convinced of who God says that we are. And that I will, if I will shake off what the devil tries to attack me with, that no harm is going to come to my mind, my heart, my outlook, and my perspective. We're going to go through difficult things, but it's not going to affect how our inner man is and the strength that we walk in in him. It shows me the kind of stature and authority that I can walk in as a believer, doesn't it? Now, I use that word stature because... Stature is a status, the, um, the Webster's Dictionary says it's the status gained by growth. The status gained by growth. 
So God is working on our stature, in our, on our spiritual stature as believers. And remember that God doesn't work on your outer man, does he? Did you know that? Because it's crucified. The Bible says you are crucified with Christ. He already killed that. So God's not going to work on something that's already dead. So your carnal nature, your flesh is already dead. That's not what God's working on. God's working on your inner man. He's and he does that by developing relationship with you and you developing relationship with him. So that's where your stature comes from, your spiritual stature. It's becoming more acquainted with God's nature, God's ways, how he functions inside of you. It's how you gain confidence in him. You do it by knowing God, not by doing good things. It's by knowing God. That's how you develop your spiritual stature. See, Paul was confident because God had spoken to him. He had the word from the angel. He had been spoken to by God. And so he believed, which then gave him the stature, the belief system of authority. I know I'm going to make it to Rome because God said it. So it doesn't matter what happens to me along the way. I know that God has given me a word. How many know that you have a word because it's called the word and God has given that to you that you know that, Je that Jeremiah says that you've been given a hope and a future. It doesn't matter what happens along the way. That does not change the truth of the word of God that's been given to you. Romans 8 uh, talks a lot about this. It's about that whole life in the spirit, which is really so much of my heart of just wanting to train myself and anybody that I talk to how to live according to the spirit, not according to our natural desires. But Romans 8 talks about it, and it says this. It says, starting in verse 8, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. That's the word. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. See, that's your birthright. You don't have to work at that because Christ has already given it to you and you belong to Christ. The Bible says you have been freed from the power of that sin has over you. This is like theology 101. You have been freed from the power that is over you. You are no longer under the power that you think is controlling you. The power of the fleshly nature. You, it doesn't have power over you. Is it strong? Yes. Is it powerful? Yes. Is, are you controlled by it? No. The Bible says it. That's the truth. Then it says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do, and he sent his own son in a body like the bodies of us as sinners. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice to our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Those of us who no longer follow the sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. So here's my question. What are you following? The Bible says you have been set free 
But what are you following? Are you following the desires of your flesh? Or are, you, are you following the, the, the desires of the spirit? What you follow is going to dominate in your inner man. What you follow, it doesn't have power, but if you give power to it, then it's going to control you. But it really doesn't have power. You understand what I'm saying? Are you following me? And so it says this. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. See, it all happens in your mind. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But then it says this, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit living in you. Who has the spirit living in them today? So you are not controlled by your sinful nature. That's powerful and it's life altering. If you will allow that to get deep into your spirit. So if that's the truth, then why are we all, do we all struggle so much still with the sinful nature? Why do we doubt? Why do we struggle so much? It's because there's still too much of you in there. We struggle because there's still too much of us in there. That's why Paul said, I must decrease. My will must decrease so that the Spirit can increase inside of me. That's why he said, crucify the flesh. Because the power of it has been put to death by salvation. You have the power to crucify that. So it's been, we've been set free, but we have to put down some things. We have to put down some of those desires. Paul talks about it about, in Romans chapter 7, denying yourself and renewing the mind. How do we do that? We renew your mind to become convinced of the word that God has given to you. Now listen, this is the word for, for us today because I felt a download of it. Our society is like shifting sand right now. It's so vile and so crazy and so unexpected. There's nothing that we can count on. And everybody is looking for a fight. Every group, every organization are looking for a fight. And literally, self-control has ceased in our society and in this world. And God is looking for an army to rise up, a generation to rise up that is ruled by the Spirit, that is operating in the mind of Christ, that has thoughts coming for, from directly from the throne room of God and not interfered by the chaos of this world. God is looking for an army to rise up by a, that, uh, people who are applying the fruit of the Spirit and operating in the fruit of the Spirit in every environment that they're in. That, that will fight offensively and not defensively. God is looking for an army of believers to rise up that is clothed in the armor of God that understands the stature that he has given us of authority on this earth. We cannot be sucked in to the fight using the same weapons that the world is using because God has given us superior 
far superior weapons to use. God is looking for an army. We have to shake off what the world is feeding us so that we don't get sucked into the chaos that's happening. Every action is rooted in the belief behind it or the thought that produced it. Every action that we do. So we have to check our minds. We have to understand where our thoughts are coming from. The enemy's out to destroy your image. He wants to infiltrate into your situation. He wants you to get so sucked into the chaos of our society and the injustices of this world. Let me ask you this question. Have you asked God about those situations in your life? Have you listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Because he has every answer that you need for every single thing. James 1 talks about it. He says, so if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask of God who gives generously to all without fault fighting, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Even when the, the storm comes in, after you're already exhausted, after you've been fighting the good fight, something else is going to happen. Maybe the viper's going to get you. But the Bible says, believe and don't doubt. No matter what comes your way, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And that man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Doubt will take you down. We cannot doubt. We have to shake off what the enemy is trying to feed us. And he is going after it with a vengeance, friends. With a vengeance. But God is looking for an army to rise up. God is looking for an army, and you are the army because you have the Spirit of God inside of you. You are young, you are youthful, and God wants to use you in our society. But he cannot use you unless you're willing to rise up in the authority and the stature of the Spirit with the confidence of belief system that you know that no matter what is coming my way, I am not going to be deterred. Who wants to be in that army? Who wants to be in that army? I want you to stand up. Who wants to fight in that army? God's calling us. God's calling us as an army of believers. You and I, we got a lot of shaking off to do because God needs an army of believers that are strong in stature. And I believe that we have those kind of believers in the room this today. We're going to, I'm just going to call for an altar call. If you want to strengthen that place of your stature and your authority, if maybe you've struggled because you've had some stuff that, have been, uh, that has been coming at you and maybe you've struggled with a little bit of doubt, God wants to strengthen that. He wants you to, be, to, to develop that steadfastness of spirit that Paul had so that when the enemy comes in, you just shake him off. You roll your eyes and you move on. Is that the best you can do, enemy? Is that the best you can do, Satan? My God will supply everything I need. My God is stronger. My God is mighty. So if you want to be a part of that army, I want you to come down here because I'm going to pray today that God will do, put a new anointing, a fresh anointing, a strong anointing. Come on. I want this altar call. This is the time. Come on down. Don't be afraid. I'm telling you, we need 
people who are unashamed of the gospel at this point in our society. We need men and women who are ready to rise up and to stand in authority that don't have any qualms about the truth of the word of God. You've received the word, now stand upon it in the strength of the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we just worship you today, Lord. God, I thank you for your word that is so true, that is so real, and that is so strong. God, I thank you that we can depend, Lord, upon your word, that we don't have to be shifting sand, God. But, Father, that we can rise up as an army, God, that you're calling us to. You're calling us to be steadfast. You're calling us to rise up with the stature and authority of the Most High God. Lord, this world is not going to destroy us, God. Father, you are in control, God. We are called to be an influence, God. We are called to change the culture of this world. And it doesn't matter how the enemy tries to come in, God. Lord, you raise a standard against the enemy, Father, in Jesus' name. And we thank you for that, God. So, Lord, we grab hold of all that you are. God, all that you have inside of us, awaken in us. Awaken, oh God, I pray. Father, that we would be, Lord, like Paul, Jesus, not swayed, God, by whatever comes um, our way, no matter what, God, and no matter how weary we become, God, we know that in our weakness, you're made strong. We know that your spirit pours like rivers of living water, God, that keeps us sustained and keeps us steadfast, oh God. So, Lord, we grab hold of your promise. We grab hold of your word today, God. Lord, and we grab hold and we say it is ours in Jesus' name. And we thank you, God, that we can count on you. We can depend on you, God, because you are steady and you are steadfast in our lives. And we give you all the praise and all the honor, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.